Okay, and it's the first part of our passage today. And it's the parable of the weeds. It's from Matthew chapter 13, and you can find it on page 979. Begin at verse 24, it says this, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, then tie them into bundles to be burned, and gather together the wheat, bring it into my barn. Um, On on Friday, um, I do the hospital trolley, which is a little shop that goes around the wards with a friend. And um, uh, I had a wonderful experience afterwards there were so many poorly people that you meet when you go around the wards uh, who don't even want to lift their heads to see what is on the trolley or whatever. Um, and as my friend and I went from the ward to take a, a pathway home, she just looked at me and said, why does God let these people suffer like this? So we stopped the trolley in the middle of the corridor and for about a quarter of an hour, Um, I tried to put a few thoughts into her head that God didn't cause this suffering, that uh, it was a means of um, people having to go through the pains and traumas of getting old. Um, And we got onto the subject of her. She said, well, God didn't help me as I was growing up. She was abused. She was put into a a foster uh, situation into um, a vicar and his wife's house, and unfortunately, he didn't show his Christian spirit towards anyone, let alone her. She grew up miserably. She left home and, and married, and her husband died at the age of 52. She's nearly my age. And so she felt that God had let her down. And we just spoke simply about a few things and what she asked me how I felt, so... I just said that I trusted God with my future um, and that, um, you know, the only way to uh, understand these things was to to go alongside someone who could help or come to a church service or... um, So I I felt I'd sown the seeds and, of course, we leave that to God. Um, I phoned her up later and suggested that she might like to join us in a service and she loves, apparently to hear lovely songs. So hopefully she'll come with me a week on Sunday to the evening service. So I'd just like your prayers for Carol, who um, will grow and be nourished by the things she hears and sings. I felt it fitted in beautifully with um, with this particular theme today. Seeds have been sown, so hopefully it'll be um, nourished. Mark has already uh, read the first parable, so it continues on page 980. 
Uh, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled when was spoken through the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anne, and thank you for um, what you shared as well. It's, um, it's great to hear those stories because they're stories of encouragement to us, um, but also um, to know that, that God is at work and, uh, and that he's at work in perhaps unlikely places. Um, and sometimes we just have to have an ear to him and see that he is already working ahead of us. So thank you for your courage in sharing, and we look forward to... To meeting, sorry, what's her name? Carol. We look forward to meeting Carol, hopefully, um, in the weeks to come. He's telling them uh, stories in parables, and we have two parables today. Uh, it's kind of like a parable sandwich, if you like. Um, so we have the parable of the weeds, uh, then the parable of the, uh, the mustard seed and the yeast. So three parables, really, although mustard seed and the yeast are very similar. Uh, and then the parable of the weeds explained. So it's like a nice, tasty parable sandwich that we can stick our teeth into this morning. You all hungry? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe not. Parable of the weeds dominates, though, isn't it? We see it twice, and it's a big chunk. And it's quite dominant in its theme as well. And we see it seems to describe a world which is a mess. Now, did you know, at this very moment as I speak to you, there is a battle going on? It is an invisible battle that we cannot see with our natural eyes. And it is going on all around us, and in the world, everywhere we look. And we could walk through this world oblivious to it even going on. We would not even know. Did you know that even right now, over this very church, there is a battle happening? I'm not talking about a spiritual battle. I'm talking about Pokemon Go. Have you come across this? Pokemon Go. There may even be some people in this church who are collecting Pokemon 
as we speak, the BBC News reports are to believe we can find ghost Pokemon in our graveyard. How about that? Pokemon Go, uh, it's, it's a, a, a world phenomenon at the moment where um, young people, I think they're mostly young people, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, walking around with their smartphones and as they look through the, the screen of their smartphones and the camera picks up the world around them and then the smartphone puts in these little monsters, little Pokemon they're called, uh, that they have to catch and the idea is you've got to catch them all. And then there are places, and I believe our church is one of them, um, where, where people come to battle the po- Pokemon they catch. And this is happening all over the world right now. It's like an invisible battle. Yes, there is a spiritual battle going on, but there's also Pokemon Go. But the reason I mentioned Pokemon Go this morning is because there was a scene, um, I, I, pictures that I saw online this week, and you may have seen them yourself, of Syrian children holding pieces of paper with these Pokemon drawn on them. And then next next to the Pokemon, written in Syrian, is a whole host of different things that these Syrian children wanted to say. Syrian children, who many of them have lost homes, families, security. Many of them are in hiding, fearing for their lives. And in in their Syrian writing, they've written things like, I'm lost, come and find me, or rescue me, catch me, come and find me, I'm lost, I need help. Contrasting this game that we are playing in the West, which is all-consuming for some people, with the realities of what these children face day to day. What a contrast. What kind of world do we live in where that contrast is, is amongst us? How broken is our world? Our world is such a mess. And when we see those scenes and many, many other things on the, in the newspapers and on the TV screens which cause us to ask that question. Why is our world such a mess? Why is our world such a mess? Well, when we read this parable, it starts to resonate, starts to make sense, doesn't it? We start to see that Jesus is commenting on a world reality. One of the biggest complaints that is brought against God and a reason many cite for not believing in God is that there is suffering in the world. They ask the question, how can there possibly be a God who is all-powerful and all-loving when there is the amount of suffering that we see in the world? Why doesn't God act? Why doesn't God act now? And that very question is the question that Jesus is addressing in this parable. He's giving a reason as to why God does not act right now. See, when we ask that question, we ask it from our viewpoint, we ask it from our position in the world, in the middle of the storms of life. And I don't know about you, my life hasn't been that hard. I've got a loving family. I was brought up as a Christian. I've had everything I I need. I've never been in want for anything, really. But there have been difficulties, and there have been times when I've asked that question. God, where are you in this? God, if you're real, why don't you do something? Why don't you act? Even me, with my sheltered, easy life, ask that question. And it's no wonder that those who really struggle, those who have real difficulties in life, wrestle with that question. But we see it from our point of view, in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the storm. And of course we ask that question in the middle. 
But God has a different view. Now, in no way do we want to undermine the experience of those who are suffering because what they're feeling is absolutely legitimate. But to say that God does not exist because there is suffering is a self-defeating argument. Because it only has validity if there is no God who can make the world right. You see, if this life is all there is, if this is all we have to look forward to, this world and what it can give to us, then suffering is not just. There is no answer for it. But if there is a God who loves this world and who has the power and the authority to make right everything that has been done wrong, to right every wrong, to wipe away every tear and to build something beautiful and to encourage something beautiful to grow, even in the middle of the suffering, something of worth, if there is a God who can do that, then actually maybe there is a reason why he doesn't act right now. But this parable tells us, God doesn't pull up the evil now because in doing so, it would remove some of the good. And in fact, a theme that often runs through the Bible and the New Testament and Paul's teaching in particular is that suffering, although it's difficult, actually produces fruit. That when we are tested and when we are put to the trial, when we face difficulties, actually something good grows out of that. And in my experience, that has been true although it's limited, but it's the times that I have had the hardest time in life, when I've struggled most, when I've been closest to the edge, those are the times when I've grown in my character and in my faith the most. It seems that in the difficulties of life, when we face up to them, that we grow most in our faith. And if we look to the Bible and we look to the example of Jesus, we see that that is true also. Jesus when he suffered most, when he was abandoned by friends and family, when he had no one around him, when he was punished for what he did not do for our sake, and when he died on that cross, through his greatest suffering, loved that Christ brought us life. And it is the fruit of the suffering in this world, when God is at work amongst it, that God brings life to his creation. There are many stories online that you can read about forgiveness. And actually, I would encourage you, if you do have a spare half an hour, um, type in stories of forgiveness into Google and see what comes up if you've got that uh, technology available to you. And there's, there's loads of amazing stories that come up. There's one that caught my eye this week as I was preparing for this. Um, of uh, a lady called Scarlett Lewis who writes about her experiences of her six-year-old son being killed in America by Adam Lanza, if you remember that story. Adam Lanza, who obviously had a lot of issues, a lot of problems, went into the school uh, with a gun and was shooting um, just small children and, uh, and, and their teachers. And she's the mother of one of the children. And she writes a story, well not a story, she writes the truth of her experience 
of how difficult, obviously, that time was, but how she came to the point when she was able to forgive. And something wonderful that grew inside her. Painful, difficult, horrible, but wonderful. As she was able to forgive the family of Adam Lanza and also this young man himself. And I would encourage you to go and read these stories of forgiveness because there is something quite amazing when we see the good that comes from evil. Our situations, although they're horrible, are turned around and good flows from it in some way. And people who have no connection to that story at all, were not in that, involved in that situation, are touched and blessed as those waves start to flow out. And it's why when we look at these, this passage first of all, and it's a very difficult passage to read when we look at it in the knowledge of what the world is like, but then we see this parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, and we start to think, well, why is that even there? Why has Jesus, or why has Matthew, recorded this parable here in the middle of these two parables of the weeds, the parable of the weeds and the explanation of the weeds? Why is it there? Why is it in this place? It doesn't seem to fit at first glance because it seems to be talking about something else. But the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast talk about something very small that has a massive impact. A very small thing that grows into something quite significant. So the parable of the mustard seed, although it is tiny, tiniest of seeds, when it's planted, it grows into a massive, huge plant. And the yeast small bit of yeast into a massive big batch of dough and actually the amount of dough that we're talking about here is 22 litres. Does anyone make bread here? Anyone make bread? One or two people. I love making bread and um, thankfully we've got, we've got a, um, a mixer now so you don't have to do all the kneading by hand but there's something about kneading by hand isn't there? But can you imagine those of you who have made bread or kneaded bread? 22 litres kneading that much dough. Now that's massive. Huge. And when it expands, it would have been enormous. But just a small bit of yeast in that dough works its way through. See, Jesus knows that he is talking to people who are in a world which is broken, which is in need, which is searching for answers of why. Why? Why is the world like this? Why is the world broken? But he's showing us that good can come brokenness that God is the master restorer he looks at a tangle of rope and he can fix it not a worry to him he can restore all things and he will restore all things in the end we recently looked at revelation remember revelation 21 that picture of heaven that picture of what is coming Jesus says this world and the pain of this world is not the end now a day is coming when I will return, and when I return with me, I will put everything right. I will bring justice with me. Evil will be done away with. There will be no more evil, and there will be joy. There will be no more crying or mourning. There will be joy and peace, fulfillment. Everything will be as it should be. That's coming. But in the moment, he gives us the parable of the yeast and the mustard seed. That's coming, so have faith, but in the moment, endure. Parable of the mustard seed. That seed of God which is sown in each of our hearts. 
and grows and grows. Very similar to what we saw last week. Parable of the sower. Seed which is sown and it grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes something wonderful and amazing. Something that is life-giving to others. That is the seed that is sown in our hearts. And it grows despite being in the middle of a broken world. That's the promise Jesus gives us. The parable of the yeast in that dough. That small bit of yeast goes into that dough. And as it gets kneaded in and spreads out, it grows and it fills. And the whole of the dough is affected by that yeast. Well, if that's not a picture of the church and what the church should be, then I don't know what it is. God has blessed this broken world, this massive big lump of dough, with his church. Pushed us in there. And as the struggles and strains of life come, we are kneaded into this big lump of dough. And the kingdom spreads. Did you know it this morning as you sat in this pew? You are yeast. And as you go out into the world this week, and you go to your places of work, and you meet the people you're going to meet, some people we meet this week will be in dreadful situations. Some people we meet this week will be in real need. The only thing that can help them, in fact, the only thing that can help any of them regardless of whether they realise it or not, is God, his love, his kingdom. You know, the good news is that's what we take, what we take with us. And thank you for your story, because when you went into that hospital and you met that woman, she didn't know what she needed, but you had what she needed with you. And you've sowed that seed, you've spread that bit of yeast with her. And by the grace of God, that will take roots and that will grow. That's what we do. Yes, the world is broken. It will be fixed. It will be fixed. But at the moment, we live in it, bringing God's kingdom to this broken world. I don't know about you, but I struggle with this world. And I struggle with what I see on the TV screen. And it breaks my heart. And I don't know about you, but when I meet people who don't know God and they're trying to sort out their problems on their own and maybe you know, face up to these things by themselves and look for the strength within themselves, well, that's admirable, but it breaks my heart because I know that they don't have the strength within them to save themselves. Jesus has given us such a precious gift, such a wonderful gift. His seat his kingdom growing in us. I don't feel up to the task sometimes. Sometimes I worry that I don't have enough faith, I don't have enough courage to share that good news. But this passage reminds me of another passage in Matthew where Jesus talks about mustard seeds. He talks about faith. And his disciples come to him and they say, well, we tried to cast out these demons, but we couldn't do it. Jesus says, well, it's because you didn't have faith. Then he goes on to say, you need faith as small as a mustard seed. And with faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. What Jesus is really saying there, I believe, is that actually it wasn't that you didn't have enough faith. 
Because all you need is faith as small as a mustard seed. You don't need much faith at all. But actually, you didn't put the faith in the right place. You forgot about me. You tried to do it in your own strength. Well, I feel weak, and I feel small in comparison to the problems of this world. And I feel like I've only got a mustard seed's worth of faith to bring. But if I put that faith in the right place, then God can do something amazing. But let's be encouraged. Let's be encouraged that this world is not broken and beyond God's help. No, this is the way God expects it to be. A day is coming when he'll put it right, but it's not yet. Because there's still things that need to happen in this broken world before he comes. But he's given us a wonderful gift of his kingdom. It's a mustard seed in our hearts that will grow when we put our faith in him. And that this church is yeast. And as we're spread throughout this world, we will be at work, perhaps even when we don't realise it, and we will see God's kingdom spread. And that is the hope of this world.